Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Hello again, Steve Wilson. We're back again, continuing in the book of Matthew. I think we got through uh, chapter 23, verse 26 last time, so we will pick up chapter 23, verse 27. We're right in the middle of a discussion about um, whether Pharisees are presenting themselves, um, you know, something that they're not. They're, you know, he called them whited sepulchers and all that sort of thing. Well, he does so here in verse 27. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Just give me a second here. Let me get a drink of water. <clears throat> there you go. That's much better now. Okay, so. Uh, so we're in the middle of this discussion about the Pharisees and so on um, being uh, hypocrites. I think by now we've probably clarified pretty much what a hypocrite is. I think most of you probably are aware of uh, the term. Um, and so that's that's the way they're being presented here by Matthew in this passage. So as he talks about, as I said, we're in verse 27. Let's go ahead and read that. It says, Woe unto you. And this is the seventh time he has now used that term, Woe unto you. And, and you know, we don't want to underestimate that term because when, when the term woe is used, that's a very definitive term. It's not just you're going to have a little bad luck. Um, you're, you're going to have something you're not going to be able to deal with. This is something that's going to be on be beyond your capability of overcoming. Uh, a woe is devastating. A, a woe takes things out of your life and away from your life that very often you can never recover. Um, to talk about someone who is dwelling in a state of woe, um, it's a hopeless hopelessness in which they dwell, um, and they, they see no real light at the end of the tunnel. And, and that's that's kind of what he's saying here. You know, if this is the lifestyle that you lead, if you, if you think you're someone that you're not, then you have nothing but dread ahead of you. And, of course, this refers to a person who, is, uh, who thinks they're saved and or thinks they're a Christian and calls himself a Christian. And yet they're not, you know, and, and so they do all the things that they deem are Christian-like by way of dress, uh, appearance, talk, um, presentation, places they go. You know, they go to church, they pray. They do all the things that they see Christians do and convince themselves, and I think we talk about that a minute here too, um, 
that they are something that they are not. And so um, they're being told in verse 27, um, this is warned to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, once again, of course he uses that term hypocrites, for you're like whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. A couple things here that I want to point out with regard to the terminology that's being used. As I said before, um, they're uh, presenting themselves as, as whited, he calls them whited sepulchers. Um, well, I'll explain that in a minute. You know, only the, the idea is that only, they only appear to be righteousness. They're showing only the appearance of righteousness. The um, idea of the whited sepulcher is that one of the things they used to do in, in, uh, in Israel as they were doing construction, building highways, um, passing through, whatever they did, yeah, there were certain times of the year that they would take this white lime, white lime and they would use it to outline graves. Now, graves were not always clearly marked. You know, much like we see today, we have designated areas for, for graveyards, and everything's pretty well defined. You just stay out of that whole area. But back then, it wasn't so much, and so very often, people were just buried on their land, you know, at home, and, you know, odd places, special places maybe to them. And so it was important to mark those graves somehow, so any development or any other, anything else, or even traveling, people would not pass over them. And so they would take this white lime and they'd outline those graves. And the idea was that you had this white lime around the outside, but inside were the, was a dead body. That's the picture that he's drawing here. You're like a whited sepulcher. You're, you're a grave that is marked... You know, on the outside, people recognize you, um, you know, as a body, but on the inside, it's dead. And the problem with being dead is you can't clean something that's dead. Only Christ can do that. And that's the picture of salvation. And only Christ can raise the dead. Only Christ can, can bring a lost soul to life and give it eternal life. Um, they obviously are not adhering to, that, adhering to that, don't understand that. They're using presentation and outward appearance to qualify them as religious people. And so that's why it says, you know, you're beautiful outward, but within you're full of dead men's bones and full of all uncleanness. So and you can't, be, you can't clean yourself. When he says in verse... Uh, 28, even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. You're filled with sin. So that's the thing about a sinner. There's no good sinner or bad sinner. They're all just sinners. I mean, it really doesn't make any difference what sin you commit. The problem is we are in a sinful state. We have inherited sinfulness. We're sinful creatures. And by that standard, 
We're as filthy rags. You know, we're dead. We're unclean. There's nothing we can do to clean ourselves up. And, and so, you know, they they make pretenses to who they are. Verse 29, he says, for the last time, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets, garnish the sepulchres of the righteous, and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of prophets. They're, they make pre pretense of who they are. You know, they look back at history, <coughs> and they know there was persecution of the prophets. And so they're putting themselves up as saying, now, had we been there during that period of time, we certainly would not have treated the prophets that way. We, you know, we're better than that. We're closer to God than that. We would not have done the things that others have done in the past. And here's what they're doing. Let me read on a little bit further. Um, verse 31, Wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourselves, the ear of the children of them which killed the prophets. Look, he's saying, look, you're trying to convince yourselves that you're not as your fathers were. But I'm saying you are. You have the same blood that runs through you and you have the, you have the same pretense about you. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to convince themselves uh, that they're good. And that's what a person has to do. They have to... We have an innate knowledge. I believe that everybody knows um, that there's a God and that there's a reason why His Son came and that there's sin in our lives and we need a Savior. Um, and so we have to convince ourselves of something other than what is naturally inbred. And so... We try, we try and attribute the things that we've done as the things of God. And here's the reason we do that. If we can say, well, this is what God would have me do, then we don't have to suffer the consequences. We don't have to deal with backlash or the fallout or whatever you might want to call it. If we can convince ourselves that what we're doing is of God, then we pretty much get away with anything. And that's that's what he's telling them here. So you're, you're, you're telling yourselves one thing. When in reality, you're exactly something quite the opposite. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. In verse 33, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? He says, you're, 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 you're serpents. And, and I don't think the comparison is lost here to the fact that... Um, Satan appeared as a serpent in the garden, and he was the originator of sin, brought it into the life of man to his temptation of Eve. Um, and he's telling them, you're, you're the same. You, you, you have, that's your inheritance. That's who you are. And so he calls them serpents, and he calls them a generation of vipers because your bite is poisonous. The, the poison that you spew is bad for mankind. So we have all these names that uh, Matthew is using here um, that actually Jesus is saying and talking about these people as, as to who they are. You know, I don't, I don't think there's really any problem with pointing out who people are. I think we, we have a, a responsibility to identify sin and call it to the attention of, of those around us because people need to know 
when there's error in our presence. Let's see if we can get through this because now we're into the last section of chapter 23. We only got a few verses left. And what we find here in this section is Christ begins to foretell the destruction of Jerusalem. Because in 70 AD there was, uh, you know, they were conquered, the, the temple was destroyed, and um, you know, all these things happened. And Jesus is, is telling them, well, you, you're so full of pride and you think. You've got your act together. He says, not only are you sinful creatures, hypocrites, vipers, white sepulchers, all that, but the things you hold dear, um, they're going to be gone. They're going to be done away with. Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall you scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. See, they just got through saying that had we been around when all the prophets of old were, were prophesying, we, we wouldn't have treated them the way that they were treated. And Jesus is telling them, well, yeah, you would, because you're, you're still doing it, and you're going to continue to do it. They're, they're still coming. And they're bearing a message of truth, and you're not going to tolerate it. So you're going to treat them the same way that your ancestors did. Verse 35, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of the righteous Abel, Unto the blood of Zacharias, son of uh, Barachias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Now, there's not a, a, a big account about him. You have to go to some outside readings about that. But but he's, you know, he's relaying a story that they're well aware of. And he even goes all the way back, of course, to the Garden of Eden when he talks about Abel, where Cain and Abel had the confrontation, and Cain, of course, killed Abel. And he says. Uh, Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. You're going to be around to see it. As I said, it's coming in 70 A.D. when, you know, the temple is going to be destroyed. And uh, many of the people he's talking to there physically witnessed this happening. It says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent to thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, till you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. So now he's saying, you're not going to see me until I return in the sky in the rapture. Of course, we're looking forward to that day. I can't wait for it to happen. I think it's coming soon. I hope everybody I'm talking to here is ready. If you're not, I pray that you'll get ready because we don't know how quickly it may happen. There's nothing keeping it from happening even now as we speak and doing this broadcast. But he's telling them that you're, he says, I, I, I want to gather everybody together and protect you. I want to draw you under my wing so I can call you home protect you from the evils that are going to come after my return the days of the tribulation and that sort of thing so there's kind of a dual picture here <coughs> because it's also referring to the destruction of the temple that's coming and, and the conquering of, of Jerusalem and he's saying I want to protect you I don't want you to have to go through all this but you're refusing me and he says you know you're going to refuse me until it's till it's too late. Thanks for listening. We're uh, at our time's end, and we'll pick up in chapter 24.
um, next time. Uh, goodbye and God bless.